Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. So let me begin this episode of the podcast with a question. What is the most important prayer in Jewish tradition? Immediately, most would answer the Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And in a certain sense, you would be right when you say that. They are certainly the most significant words we say during a service. But technically speaking, the Shema is not a prayer. We don't talk in Jewish tradition about praying the Shema. We talk about Kriyat Shema, reading the Shema, or saying the Shema. See, prayer in Jewish tradition usually connotes a direct relationship with God, speaking in second person in many ways. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God. And in the Amidah, the silent prayer, which is called Hatfilah, the prayer in rabbinic tradition, the words of the, uh, of the requests of the um, petitions in the middle of the Shema, of the Amidah, are all in the second person. The Shema is not written in the second person. The Shema is written from God's perspective, or maybe from Moses' perspective. How does this happen? Well, you have to understand the fact that the Shema comes from the Torah. The Shema and the words that follow it, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might, come from Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll be reading it this week in Parshat V'Etchanan in the Torah reading. Because the words come from the Torah, they have to be read exactly as they are. That's unlike other prayers where we have some flexibility in many situations to add things to our prayers, to add our own personal thoughts. We're supposed to, during the course of the Amidah, we're supposed to be thinking about how each of these relate, each of the petitions relate to our lives today. And in fact, in certain places, there are in very traditional prayer books, places where you can add individual petitions in the course of the Amidah. We would never change the wording of the Shema. The Shema has to be read the way it is. It's not a prayer. So if it's not a prayer, what is it? It is a statement of testimony. It is a statement of witnessing. It is a statement of faith. And that's different from a prayer in Jewish tradition. I want to just focus on that one line, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. When we talk about Kriyat Shema, reading the Shema, we talk about reading three paragraphs, the Shema and the V'yahavta, which follows it in the Torah, and then two other paragraphs. The second one, beginning with the words V'hayayim Shamoa, is about reward and punishment. The third paragraph is about the tzitzit, the fringes on the garments, which remind us of the commandments. But I want to just talk about that one line of the Shema. How did it become so important in Jewish tradition? If you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, there are four places where Moses says Shema Yisrael and then follows it with something else. So why here? Why these words? Well, one of the reasons certainly is because of the association of the Shema with martyrdom in Jewish tradition. The story of Rabbi Akiva, which we read traditionally as part of the Ela Ezkara, the martyrology on Yom Kippur, features Rabbi Akiva saying the words of the Shema as he was tortured and killed. Because of that, the Shema became that statement of absolute faith under any circumstances. 
And of course, we know tragically so many stories told about the Shoah, about the Holocaust and other places in Jewish tradition where people said to Shema as they went to their death because of their faith. But it isn't only about martyrdom. It's traditional that a person would say to Shema as the last words before their own death under whatever circumstance. Now, it, because of so many medical advances and because of the majority of circumstances, the Shema is said by somebody else for that individual as they near death. It's also lahavdil to make a separation, but it's not really that much of a separation in the in in when you consider it poetically at least. The words of saying the Shema before one goes to sleep is said for the same reason, because sleep in the tradition is somewhat akin to death in that sense. We'll talk about that another time. It's a subject which fascinates me. So the Shema as a sentence began to become this absolutely critical statement of commitment to what it means to be a Jew. I want to share with you a story that may demonstrate this, but before I do, let me refer to something in the text of the Shema itself, just those six words. If you look at a Torah scroll, in fact, if you look at a Siddur, in a prayer book, most will, or at least many will have this phenomenon in it, and it's certainly true in the Torah scroll, the last letter of the word Shema, the ayin, is in bold. It's large, larger than the rest of the letters. The last letter in the word Dalet, Echad, the Dalet, is also bold. A lot of people question, why are those two letters bold? Why is that the scribal tradition? It's because the letters ayin Dalet spell out the word Aid. Aid is witness in Hebrew. The Shema is a statement of witness. It is a statement of testimony. It's a statement that comes from the heart about what one believes. Now the question comes up, who are we saying the Shema to? Are we saying it to ourselves? Well, I think we have to. In fact, Heschel and several other philosophers and theologians that I've read have made a big point of talking about the fact that uh, you can't just say, Hero Israel, you have to actually hear. You, don't, you, you can't just say, Hero Israel, but you have to listen to the words yourself. So we're talking to ourselves. We're talking to God? Sure, why not? But I think we're talking to somebody else as well. Let me tell you the story that, this go, that goes with this. This is a great story, and I'm going to summarize it a bit, leave some of the parts out of it. It comes from the Midrash. It's, it's, an, it's an ancient story. As Jacob was going to die, was about to die, he gathered his 12 sons around him. Now, Jacob's other name, according to tradition, of course, was Israel. He gathers his 12 sons around him and he says, I'm concerned, I'm worried that one of you may be disloyal to the covenant, that you don't all buy into this. I just have this fear that you're not all with me with this. And according to this beautiful story, his sons say, Shema Yisrael, listen Israel, Israel our father Jacob, listen Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. To which Jacob responds, Baruch Shem Kibod Machutoli Olam Ve'ed, Blessed be God's glorious kingdom forever and ever, which is a line that we insert silently following the saying, the first line of that Shema, Shema Yisrael. After that line, silently, we add the line that is attributed to Jacob, Blessed be God's glorious kingdom forever. So, 
I love that line. I love that story. It, it really is there for many different reasons. One of them is certainly to justify why we have that line in the, that we say silently after the Shema because we say Jacob said it, so we should say it silently. But there's another reason I love that story because that's because we can imagine that we are saying the Shema to Jacob and to every generation which followed him, every generation which preceded us, we are saying to our ancestors that we still are part of this covenant, that we are still testifying to the permanence of this covenant, that we are still part of the tradition. And when we say Shema Yisrael, hear O Israel, we could be saying it to Jacob and to Abraham and to Isaac and to Joseph and to Moses and to all that followed. We are saying it to the people of Israel of the past, the present, and the future. But I like to think about it saying it to the past because what we're saying is we are still committed. We're still committed to the tradition. Now, it just brings up one other question, which I really, I wrestle with a lot, which is it's very all very well and good for somebody who believes in God but is there a way to testify to the ongoing permanence of the Jewish people and still say you don't believe in God and therefore don't feel comfortable saying the Shema? It's really tough. I think the answer is yes. I don't think a person has to believe in God in order to consider themselves a part of the Jewish people or a good part of the Jewish people or a, a committed Jew. I, I think one can. But I think the fact that it teaches, that we teach in our tradition, the importance of this line, the Shema, really is a challenge. If you're not going to say, this is the line that identifies you as part of the Jewish people, that you look back to your ancestors and say, I'm still continuing with the, with the tradition, what are you going to say? What are you going to say that is going to be that strong a statement of witnessing to your being a part of the Jewish people. Now, I don't say that to threaten anybody. I don't say that to exclude anybody. I say it as a challenge. I think there are things that a person could say that committed them to being a part of the Jewish people if they absolutely cannot believe in God. And let me add just a very quick point about this. There is no hard and fast rule about what it means to believe in God in Jewish tradition. I've talked about this before in this podcast. Uh, people will say, I can't believe in God because I don't believe X, Y, and Z. You can always find a philosopher or theologian who would say the same thing and still would say they believe in God. I happen to believe that as long as you look around the world and see a purposeful life and see some kind of unity in the world, that should be enough about saying you believe in God. I mean, I personally believe more than that, but I think that at the very least, looking around and seeing a purpose to life and a, a unity of some kind in the world, it, it qualifies as a belief in God, in my, in my opinion. But if you, can't, if, you, if you don't like to talk in God terms, what are you going to say that is going to be as strong a statement of commitment to what it means to be a Jew? I have some ideas, but I'm not going to share them with you. I'm going to ask you to think about them and to consider how strong a statement it is that we must make to our ancestors and to everyone around us to say, we still believe 
we're still a part of this people and this people will continue to exist. Until next time, thank you.